Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Jesus, we ask you that you would just meet with us now and as we prepare our hearts before you. God, that you would encounter us in the praises of your people. In the presence of our, of our family, we just want our presence to engage into the deeper presence of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, let's, let's talk about it real quick. My fingernails. We need to get this out there in the open before the chatter starts going crazy. Last night was daddy-daughter night. This morning I bear the remnants of that night as we had multiple children over at our house and I was target practice for their future in cosmetology. And so we had uh, makeup everywhere, lipstick in places it shouldn't be. I still think I got some in my beard. Um, But anyway, we had a great night and uh, unashamedly I'm rocking my nails. You should see my toenails as well, but we don't need to go there this morning. Kurt, you're going to be a good girl dad. I can just see it, man. you showing up with blue fingernails. Um, it's great. So anyway, I want to dive into the scriptures this morning. And I'll tell you, I come with a burden on my spirit for the presence of the Lord. And I really want us as a church family to gain a burden that's heavy in our hearts to engage the presence And not just to live another day upon day, week upon week, and life upon life. And we just kind of move on and never really go to a deeper depth place in a longing for the heart of God. And so this morning I just want to talk about a holy desperation where our hearts are aching to be with him. As King David said in Psalm chapter 42 and verse 1, he said, Like the deer pants for the water streams, so my soul will long after you, O God, my Redeemer. And it just takes Christianity up a level instead of just having really good church attendance to having a lifestyle that engages the presence that I'm hungry after you, oh God, my Redeemer. I can't go another day without you. And I would ask you this question. If you had the option between living in the presence of the Lord or having your next breath of air, which would you choose? And you're saying, I can't, I can't breathe. I mean, I have to breathe, and I would plead with you that the presence is more precious than anything on the planet, and that I would rather have God and see him face to face than to to have my next breath of air. I would rather be starved of oxygen than starved of Jesus, and if I've got one or the other to pick, I'm choosing Jesus, and I will live in desperation to where I've got to gasp for my next breath of air because I want him more than anything else on the planet. The definition of idolatry is that you enjoy love, set your affection on something more than you would on the God, Jesus Christ. And God forbid we would choose anything and we would make oxygen an idol more than the presence. 
or our next meal and we say, God, I want to pray and fast for you. I, I'm desperate for an encounter. I need breakthrough in my marriage. And I'll go without food because breakthrough in my marriage is more important than a hamburger. And I will put off other things to say no because I'm so desperate, holy desperation and longings. Like I need a drink of water to have desperation in my, in my life. I know I'm kind of starting a little bit heavy here this morning, but I want to set the tone for the approach that we ought to have for the presence. I'll tell you, I think that one of the things that COVID has had, almost like a smart bomb that's gone off in our church families, is the casualty in which we approach the presence anymore. Is I just kind of, I have the luxury, and it's, it's awesome with technology, but I do have the luxury to not come and be in the house of God or to be around the body of Christ or to engage the presence as a corporate that we all would come as, as, as a unit, as a community and seek the heart of God. As the king or the, or the priest used to have a holy assembly and call all of the people and say, we're going to seek God. Everyone's going to come to the tent and we're going to get after the presence of the Lord. And it's just like, well, I just, it's optional. I just want to encourage you. It is not optional. And not that this building is, is bricks and mortar is more important than maybe your own home, but engage the presence with holy desperation in your home and saying, God, I've got to have you more than anything else on the planet. Have you ever had those moments of desperation? Maybe you, your, your child is sick and you're just helpless and you're like, I, I don't know what to do. And you want, to, you want to put oxygen in them. You want to put life in them. You want to put medication in them. I remember when we first had... Judah, and he is, this, is in this moment where he's not breathing, and Alyssa, is kind of, she's, she's holding him, and she's hitting him on the back, and she's squeezing him, and she's trying to breathe in him, and, you know, you're going to have it all, and you just are helpless, and she just had this holy moment, she's like, God, and, and he was only a couple months old, God, you have given, and you can take away, just the prayer of Job, you have given, and you can take away, he is yours, we're only stewards, but God, we have nothing else to do, we're desperate for a breakthrough. And when you live with that on your spirit, you engage something with an intensity like you never have before. It's no longer a casual approach. It is longing for. Perhaps it's a guy that's desperate for that girl. Desperation makes you do crazy things. You're like, what am I, why am I even acting like this? Did I just really say that? It causes this something else outside of you. You get animated in a different, in a different way. You know, you play the, the game differently from the, from the first jump ball from the, from the tip whenever there's a minute left. That's a tie game. Man, there's an urgency. There is a, there, you coach with an energy. You play every loose ball is a, is a winning play. All of a sudden, every moment matters because the time is forcing the issue. And perhaps we kind of look at it and say, you know, I can engage next week. I can get after it next month. Hey, maybe it'll, it'll all be different next year. And I want to encourage you, now is the time to get after Jesus. Because you don't have tomorrow. And to assume that you do is just asinine. It's the chief of foolishness. James 4.14 would say that you don't have tomorrow. All you've been given today. Life is a vapor. It's here in a moment and it is gone. And I would encourage you people, while you have today, while the getting is good, get after the one thing that matters. 
Jesus said there's one thing. King David said there's one thing. The Apostle Paul said there's one thing. There's this repetitious urgency of there might be many things, but let me tell you, there is a supreme one thing that trumps all other things in our lives, and that's to know him, to engage him at another level that maybe we've never engaged before. Maybe you've had these moments of desperation and you don't even know where to go. Like, I, there's, just, there's just too much month and not enough money. And I'm desperate and I don't know where to turn. I'll tell you, desperation without direction is discouraging. And desperation without direction is depressing. And maybe you've even felt depression come, like those deep longings in your soul, like I've, I need substance, I need, I need meaning, I need deeper longings of purpose. I'm desperate, life is just meaningless, I don't have direction on where to go. And I would just encourage you that if your soul is panting, I want to pro- provide a little direction on where we can go, from what stream we can drink. You may be familiar with this story, but Jesus is with Mary and Martha, and There's Martha, she's busy, she's serving Jesus, she's washing feet, she's getting food ready, and she's doing all the preparations, and she's working for Jesus. But there's a big difference between working for Jesus and worshiping Jesus, and if we ever get the two confused, we could end up suffering to ourselves. And you might say, man, I serve the church, and I serve the community, and I'm serving here, and I'm doing all these sort of things, and why am I depleted? I would just encourage you, we got to get back to the presence where we just fall on our knees, where the emotions are just kind of flowing, where the hands are raised, where there's just something, where there's adoration and worship. And Martha comes up and she says, Jesus, I'm, I'm doing all of the work, and Mary is down here, and she's just worshiping you. Come on, tell her to get busy. And Jesus says, there's one thing that matters, and I will not take that thing from her. There's one thing, people, and you might get to heaven one day and say, Jesus, look at my credentials. I served on this committee. Look at this. I, I, I picked up trash in the park. Jesus, look at this. I, I, I served at the church and I vacuumed. Jesus, look at this. I, I, I helped with the children's ministry. Jesus, look at this. And he's saying, but there was one thing that mattered. But Jesus, I had my kids in all the sports. But Jesus, I was, a, I was, a, I was an active dad. Jesus, I was, a, I, was a faithful, I was a faithful wife. He says, but there's one thing. There's one thing, and it's a flowing heart that is engaged and connected with me, and I want you to sit and to know me and to have a a desperation to engage the presence. Even how we show up to work, man, we are cloaked with something that's so much higher that we don't succumb to this lower landscape to where everybody is fretting and freaking and everybody's doing all different kinds of stuff emotionally distressed, and we come in locked with peace. Why? Because I've been engaged with the Prince of Peace all week. I have joy unspeakable. Why? Because Jesus is joy, and I've been staring him in the eyes all week. And I've been feeling his affection wash over my heart. He just is able to kind of give me this Holy Spirit bath, and he squeegees off all the slime from last week, and he just comes in, and oh, he's the river of life. And we got to drink from a stream that's not full of stress and worry and anxiety. i got to constantly come back to a well that provides living water. And if you ever feel like you're getting kind of jumped up a little bit inside of your heart or inside of your spirit, I encourage you to get back into the presence again. Maybe you've just been inundated with news. I want to tell you there's a different, there's a higher level of news. There's a good news of the scripture. 
And the good news is that we win and Jesus is big and our problems are small compared to the God that we serve. And we got to know him. And there's one thing and it's sitting before him and it's engaging the presence in church. I want to be a presence-filled church that we might not get a lot of things right, but man, we get that thing right. And we know how to soak and to sit and to marinate in the presence. I want to encourage a longing just to be. I remember whenever I first met Alyssa, I flew into Kansas City. I'd never met her, only on a phone call. And I fly into Kansas City, and her dad kind of helps arrange this thing. And we're going to have breakfast at 8 a.m. You know how early you got to fly out of Chicago to make breakfast in Kansas City? By 8 a.m.? It, it didn't matter. I don't care if breakfast was at 4 a.m. I was, I was going to drive. I was going to walk. I was going to do the bear crawl. I didn't care what it took. I was desperate to meet this woman. And there was nothing that was going to, to get in my way. I was going to make it happen. And we sat and we just stared at each other. And the waitress came back and said, hey, are y'all ready to order? I'm like, who are you? Get out of here. Hey, are, are, y'all, are y'all ready? Come back five minutes later. Are y'all ready? Hey, are y'all ready? An hour later, we finally order, yeah, we'll have a water. Can you leave us away? Leave us alone. There was something where you're just so caught up in what is going on, and you're no longer looking at the clock. You're looking into the eyes of something that you love, that you have white-hot affection for, to where you're just caught up in something. Instead of the chokehold of time that just like two big hands can suffocate the engaging of the presence. I even wonder about church services sometimes. Are we looking at the clock more than we're looking at the king of all kings? And we're just saying, man, I, we, we got to get because there's higher priorities that we got to move on to. Can you wrap this thing up? Like, we got to go. Just wonder sometimes. And even if professional religion where it's so professional and polished and it just doesn't leave room for those that just need breakthrough. And there's a longing. You know, King David said in Psalms, he said, there's one thing that I seek. There's one thing that I desire, that I would engage in the presence of the Lord, that I would set my gaze and my affection upon him, that I would live in his temple day and night, night and day. Day and night, night and day. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, this is the one thing that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to set my gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. There's one thing that matters. Perhaps you hear a conversation like this and you're like, man, I'm just scared. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. The last time I prayed was now I lay me down to sleep. And I don't know what to do. I don't know, how, 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 do I, how do I do this thing? Or I remember this one time at a family gathering, we, pre- we said the Lord's Prayer and, you know, we kind of blessed the food. But to really get into the presence of the Lord, I'm not totally sure how to do that. And I would encourage just a couple moves. I would encourage this move. Just to move that time into being a little bit more personal. From... Just blessing the chicken to Jesus, I need you in my life. Maybe it's even some times of confession to Jesus, I'm just, this is where I'm at and I don't know what to say, I don't know what to pray, I don't know what to do. 
Jesus, it's been a long time since we talked last. Last time was 1987. Just want to check in again. That's okay. Start right there. Maybe it starts off with Jesus. Good morning. I just invite you into my day. Can we go on this, on this day together? Okay, here we go. I would encourage this, and this might be one of the most powerful prayers that I've prayed consistently in my life, and I just say this. I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just recognize his existence. He's a person. John Bevere says the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person on the planet today. And that grieves me. He ought to be the most engaged person because I don't know about you, but I need a lot of help throughout the day. My goodness, do I need help. From the moment I open my eyes, I need a lot of help. And I just confess, Jesus, I need you. I need some help today. And then I move it from being just kind of making it more personal to where I make it, where I fall in love. Because it's one thing that I might just, I know you, and we know each other personally, but I kind of tell you this, that the demons in hell know about God, and they quote scripture all the time, but they're not in love with him. And there's a huge difference between knowing and loving, and coming from a place to where I know about God, and I know about church, and I know what I should do, to where I can't help but do it because I'm so in love with who this person is, and my heart is drawing me in. It is, it, it's, it's these holy longings that I can't control. And I started doing some crazy things like staying up late with him, getting up early to meet with him. Why? Because I'm longing, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry for something. I would follow that from being in love to these, these holy longings of hunger. And I would just ask you to check your hunger levels because I truly believe that our hunger levels, hunger determines destiny. Many times, if you're hungry about getting after something, usually it shows how far you can go in something. The more hungry you are and, and the work ethic and the sweat that you put into something usually determines destination or the lack thereof. I just wasn't hungry. I didn't get up. I didn't get after it. I just didn't really accomplish anything. And I would encourage you that the hunger levels, the, the, the higher they increase, the higher the level of encounter increases. Could it be that breakthrough is dependent upon your hunger and your engagement in the presence? And I'll just tell you, if life is good, you probably don't need a lot of breakthrough, which is really scary. Because we live in America, and you were smart, and you had wisdom, and you got a good job, and you saved money, and you treated your wife well, and you raised good kids, and you don't really need, you're not really desperate for a breakthrough. And I would encourage you that your vision is just way too small. Because if it's just about you being comfortable, and you're good with that, then, then you're okay. And I would encourage you, it's like, God, no, now I got a vision. Because the more that I spend time in the presence, it's no longer just about me and my comfort. All of a sudden, it becomes exponentially outside of myself. And I start seeing a community that is aching and breaking. And my heart shifts from, from me having a good life to now I'm aching for those without him. Two nights ago, I'm at the high school basketball game, and a man walks up to me, and he says, with, with tears in his eyes, can't afford my electric bill. I don't know about you, but it's cold outside. And not having electricity on moved me. And now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm aching, and I'm moving. I'm saying, God, I need to be in the presence right now, and I want to feel what he feels. The Bible would say to, to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn. He's in this place where he's aching. I mean, 
Guys, I'll tell you that the more that you encounter the heart of God, it, it becomes outside of yourself at that point. And it just does. I'm coaching in this basketball game at Madison Grant. Got a kid that calls and he says, I want to quit the team. Just got into a serious altercation with his dad. Where they're physical with each other. Dad puts his hands on him. Puts him up against the wall. We meet with this kid before the game. Saying, hey, man, you're loved. You've got to stay in a place where you're loved, where you're encouraged. You've got to be in an atmosphere where you've got men that can speak into your life and pour into your life. He says, I've just lost all motivation. Tears streaming down his face. Teenage kid. I just want to know that I'm loved. I just need to know that somebody's in my corner that's cheering for me. Just loving on him. I'll tell you what prayer does is prayer just has this lucky coincidental thing where it puts you in strategic places where you can engage people. Where you can be the hands and feet of Jesus because God's eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that's fully committed to him. That he can be strong on their behalf and use them in strategic places to bring the kingdom to the earth. Start loving on him, speaking life into him. Saying, come on, you've got to stay in an atmosphere where you can be loved on and encouraged. Comes out that night, come, plays one of the best games of his life that night. Follow up with him, loving on him, encouraging him. I wonder how many people just show up to that game saying, oh, Johnny was off that night. What's his problem? Come on, man, find, find the open man. Dribble your head up. Threw the ball out of bounds too many times. You don't have a clue what they're going through. But we're great at being the critiques sitting up in the cheap seats. I would encourage you that prayer would move you from being a critic to being an encourager and just diving in where people are. Prayer, you might think, is going to change it. First, it needs to change you. When it shifts you, the inner man, all of a sudden something happens to where your eyes get a different lens. You get a different set of glasses on and you can see things differently. And We want to critique everybody else. And I would say, you know what? You need to engage. Be in these places where you can engage hearts and lives, young men and women, people that you're working with every day, they're sucking wind showing up to work. And if you're in the presence, you come in as the number one encourager. You come in like Jesus did in, in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, I have come that you would have life and life to the full. And I said, when Jesus shows up, he brings life. I want to show up and bring life. I want to be like Jesus. And I can't always bring life if I live depleted. And so desperation fills, fills me up again. And we need to be like those that pitchers that are walking around filling other people's cups all the time. And if you're the pitcher that's filling people's cups, at some point we've got to ask the question, who fills up the pitcher? If the pitcher is never in the presence, and in the presence is where I get fullness of joy at his right hand is pleasure forevermore. The presence is a non-negotiable, as it should be for every Christian's life. To be a Christian means to be like Christ and like Christ is one who is hungry for the presence and even Jesus who is God couldn't get enough of the presence he sneaks off and he climbs a mountain somewhere and just sits before the Lord he was depleted and he needed replenished sometimes we got to even coach ourselves like King David did he said you will bless the Lord oh my soul and everything within you you're going to praise him and his holy name 
Sometimes you need to be the best motivational speaker that you've ever heard. And you need to start speaking to yourself and saying, come on, we've got to do this. We've got to get into the presence. No more apathy as it comes to the presence of the Lord. In the 1700s, there was a man by the name of Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf. He was a count. And he was a count in this day and time that was even before John Wesley. And he starts this, this community, the Moravian community, where they all came together, where they sought God, where they said, they said that God's the one thing and there is nothing else. That we would seek God, we would love God and nothing else. That we would hate sin and, and nothing else. There's one thing that matters. And I'll tell you, when one thing grips your heart, it just becomes supreme above all other things. 24 men and 24 women committed to praying for 24 hours a day. And they would take one hour shifts and they would shift throughout the day and throughout the night. And this was a prayer meeting that lasted 100 years. You ever been a part of a prayer meeting that's last 100 minutes and you thought it was long? It went for 100 years, for an entire century, week after week, month after month, before long, hundreds of people are signing up to be on the prayer watch. They named their place Hernhut, and Hernhut, the name means the Lord's watch. And these people that would come in in the night watch, the dark night of the soul, they would come in seeking God day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day for breakthrough. And what happened was this little town, this little village of 300 people started sending missionaries all over the world to the East Indies, to the West Indies, to South Africa, to South America. They started seeing a breakthrough that, go, that went clear around the world from a handful of people that said this. Whenever they, came, uh, whenever they came overseas, they met John Wesley. And John Wesley was so moved by them and his holy desperation that he needed to fall in love with the scriptures that it moved his heart. And John Wesley's the one that said, if you will love only God and hate only sin, in one generation we can change the world. John Wesley said, if you would light a man on fire, people will come from all over just to watch him burn. <laughs> I want to encourage you with this. That the casual approach to Jesus has to go. And holy longings of desperation needs to have to, to grip the human heart at another level. To say, Jesus, there's one thing. There's one thing. And give me eyes to see like you see. And I'll tell you, it's hard to sit with somebody for an extended amount of time and not know their heart. If you've got a passion, everybody knows it. It's hard to keep a passion quiet. And God has some thoughts on the matter. And he's got some passions that he would love to communicate. And the more that you engage the heart of God, his passions rain down on you. And your heart sits. That hard, crusty, dried up heart begins to have some fresh showers on it. Where it gets molded and conformed to the image of the sun. I would encourage you some simple ways to fall in love. And it's to fix your eyes on something differently. Perhaps you've just seen all the weaknesses of God. God wasn't there. God didn't show up. God was taking a nap when that big time trauma hit in my life. God wasn't there. He doesn't answer prayers. 
and for some reason we're partnering with the enemy that's lying to us saying God's not good. We'd rather partner with that voice than to partner with the God with a, with a voice that says, God says, you know what? Life may have been tough, but I'm with you. I've sustained you. There's more. Let's walk this thing out together. The presence of God is a non-negotiable in our house. We have constantly worship playing. Alexa, play worship music. Boom, here it comes. And you just feel it as we're eating, as we're doing the dishes, as we're doing homework. Praise and worship just coats the atmosphere in our home. We're going to study for third grade math in the presence. We just will. That's how we're going to do it. We're going to study for fourth grade whatever he does. I don't, still trying to catch up with what he's doing. Judah just figures it out and then tells me what he got. We're going to do this thing. In the presence. We're going to wrestle through conversations and marriage with the singing of, of, of Scripture over our conversations. It just will happen. As for me and my house, it's non negotiable. That's how it's going to be run. I'll tell you, when they become non negotiables like that, when it becomes such a place like that, life gets really good. Because now I start thinking with the mind of Christ, I'm able to gain altitude and see things from a whole different perspective. Now all of a sudden, not everything's a bummer. Not everybody's out to get me. I didn't get ripped off. All of a sudden, I start seeing, Jesus, you're a brilliant storyteller. You're moving the pieces. You're playing chess. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. I want to know your heart and what's going on here. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He said it this way. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. This is the Apostle Paul who's been all over the world. He's got more frequent flyer miles than anybody we've ever known. He's all over. He's establishing churches. He's raising people up. He's poured into pastors. He's got, he's got all of these churches around the known world at the time. He says, anything that I've ever gained is a loss to me compared to knowing Christ Jesus. For what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may know him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so, however, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on that I would take hold of all of that to which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not con consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward in Christ. There's one thing. There's just one thing. Matthew 7, Jesus says it this way. He says, to ask, to seek, to knock. And you will be answered, you will find, and the door will be opened to you. And I just want to encourage our church, if there's these desperate moments in your life 
we do have a direction. And it's to come into the presence of the Lord. And it's to come to where he's the source of all hope. He's the source of all life. He's the source of all strength. He's the source of all compassion. He's the source of all wisdom. And you don't know where to go. And you don't know what to do. And he breaks in like the dawning of a new day with wisdom, with hope, with energy, with life. And you're sucking wind. And he lets you take one more step. And he endures you one more day. He's the stream. He's the river of living water. And we've got to pant for that stream like the deer would pant for his next drink. And to seek and to knock with callous knuckles. I'm knocking on the doors of heaven. I refuse to be denied until you answer me. And I don't lose hope because my hope is baked. And it's anchored. My soul is anchored in something so much higher. It's the presence of the Lord. I just want to encourage you, if you've lost hope, come back, baby. Come back. He's good. He is good. And this is the place we've got to get to, is in to the presence. I would encourage you to have some accountability. Maybe it's you hop up and you text somebody, hey, I'm getting the scriptures. Here's the scripture that I'm reading today. I just want to encourage you. Hey, here's the song that's bringing so much encouragement to me, and we send this song. Hey, I'm just thinking of you. I just want to bring life to you. That we're tuned into the presence of the Lord all the time. I'm in halftime in the locker room last night, and God just put somebody in my heart, and he says, now, encourage him. I just kind of sneak behind one of the lockers, and I shoot out this quick stack. I'm thinking of you. Jesus is good. He's in your corner. He's for you. He's not against you. Only good is, is, is before you. Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28, all things are working together for the good of those that which God has called and they're working out according to his purpose. He's for you. Boom, send. I'm back in. Okay, we need a help side defense. Okay, we need to, you know, box out more and get rebounds. Whatever you're in the midst of, the Holy Spirit's going to be dropping stuff and all of a sudden you think the way he thinks and it's engaging people, it's loving on his people, it's engaging all the time. And church, I'll tell you, when we start living like this, the community gets life. People are breathing again. Encouragement's like oxygen for the soul. And we're bringing life when we show up to a place everywhere we go. I want to encourage you, stay in the game and stay in the presence. If your strategy is to live this life outside of the presence, that's a losing strategy. You will lose. But no matter what is thrown at you, and you live in the presence, you will always win. You can't roll with Jesus and lose because he's never lost and he's not about to start. He always wins. His name is victorious. And he will have the last laugh at the end of the day. Make sure he's always, always front and center. And we're rolling with Jesus. We will win. As we close this morning, here's how I want to do this. We're going to have a general dismissal. But for any of you that just want to come up and just hang at the altar and maybe you just want to stand before him and say, Jesus, I just need a breakthrough. Move on my heart that I would long after you. I hear what he's saying and I don't even feel that way. Would you put a longing in me? Would you put a hunger down deep? And would you let me salivate for the presence? Or maybe you're like, Jesus, I am salivating. I need more. And I just want to just kind of kneel before this river this morning. I'll tell you, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. 
And this is the city of God this morning. The river is flowing. I would just encourage you to jump in the river and let him begin to move upon your heart. Would you all stand with me this morning as we close? And when I close, you are dismissed. And the altar is open. If you want to come and kneel and ask God to move, if you want to stand, you can't. If you just want to sit in your pew where you are and just say, I just want to soak right here. This is a time just for you and Jesus to engage. Jesus, we thank you that you meet us in our times of need. You meet us in our times of desperation. Jesus, I pray that you would shift us from apathy to hunger. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and, and, and change the direction from, from seeking life outside of the context of you. Lord, I pray that we would have conversations in the presence. Jesus, I pray that we would have desperate moments, that we would live in an atmosphere of worship in our homes. Jesus, I ask you that we would go to bed in the presence. Jesus, I ask you that holy scriptures would be bathing over us day and night, night and day. Lord, I pray that we'd give our eyes no rest. We give our eyes no sleep until we see breakthrough in our children. Maybe you're, you're just asking God, God, save my son. Get a hold of the heart of my daughter. God, I'm throwing my hands up. I got nothing else to do. You're the one thing that can save him. You're the one thing that can shift the human heart. You're the one thing that can bring life to my family. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. Then come and be desperate for him. Show him, Jesus, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, I'm refusing to be denied until you answer. And just come with an urgency on your spirit. Come with longings in your heart for breakthrough. Jesus, we just confess we need you more than we want comfort, more than we want our next breath. We want your presence to be in this place. And so Holy Spirit, do a work in our church family today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.